Well, hello, this is the Trophy Room. It's Monday morning, wherever you are. Thank you for making me part of your day. It is Monday, but guess what? It is the first full football Monday of the season. We had a wild weekend in college football in the wild, wild west of Texas, especially. Plus, Big D came up big last night against the New York Giants. So we have so much football to get to. We got just so much. I'm so excited. Um, you guys obviously know, go hit up Game Changers, gamechanger.la, promo code capital A, Chamber Time 23, tell your friends about it. They're always adding new stuff. They just added TV shows and movies, so lots of new stuff to go ahead and add to the rotation. Um, before we get any further, depending on where you're listening, I know on Spotify they have this but if you guys could go ahead and let me know where you prefer the order of college football to NFL. So I think on Spotify, there's a section where you can leave um, a comment about a specific episode like this one you're listening to right now. On Apple, I know you can just leave a review. So if you want to leave a review and let me know, or if you're listening, you just want to shoot me a text, that works too. But I'd love to know, do you guys want me to hit college football first? and then NFL because that's the order in which we watched it or would you have it rather have it NFL then college football or intermingled and sprinkled throughout either one of those I can do um I typically want to go to college football because that's what happened first and that's one that's a little more personal to me but I would love to know your guys opinion as to where you would like to uh listen to those so let me know I'm going to do college first today, and then we'll hit the NFL, but I just was curious as to what y'all preferred. Also, really cool announcement, we have another interview for bonus trophies that will be coming out on Friday. His name is AD underscore sneaks on Instagram, big sneakerhead, he's a teacher, really cool guy. Um, I didn't actually realize this until I, t- uh, until I started doing my research but he teaches in the same school district that Jaden teaches in. So that was a cool connection for us to make. Um, so yeah, we will have him come out. Episode will drop on Friday. Okay, there is so much to get to. And I, it's like a cliche, but it's true. And I don't know where to start. So um, yeah. I mean, I guess I guess the the best spot to start is the game that you all watched, regardless of who you are, which is uh, Alabama and Texas. That game was interesting because it's it's weird. When was the last time that you really felt like? Bama just had no shot with the quarterback. Because I get that Jalen Milrow, I I have more respect for him and credit for him than I think a lot of people do, but Jalen Milrow, as far as an athlete goes, looked unstoppable. Back in Madden 22, I think, they had this ability that some quarterbacks had. It was called escape artist, and basically it meant that at any time your quarterback was fast enough to beat contain and just sprint out of the pocket and it was guaranteed four or five yards every time 
that's how I felt watching Jalen Milrow. The problem with Jalen Milrow was that the dude just, like, I can't remember the last time a guy in college football was so bad at reading defense. And maybe it's just because it's his first true college football game. But also, you're at home, bro. You got to handle that. So that was awesome. I guess the question that we have to ask is, is Texas back, right? Because that's the immediate cliche that we all want to jump to as soon as we watch Texas have a good game against a good opponent. And to be fair, last year against Bama, they probably played even better, and Bama had a better team. And then this year, they roll into Tuscaloosa, get the win, which anyone who's had their team play in Tuscaloosa, anyone who's visited Alabama knows how tough an environment that is. So what Texas was able to do on the road with Quinn Ewers, a guy who has really been questioned because of the addition of Arch Manning. Now people say, well, how good can he be? Like, do we just want to wait until Arch comes in? Quinn Ewers looked like an NFL draft prospect. He looked like exactly what he needed to to be able to beat Alabama and also, this was what I thought was most noteworthy, was the run game for Texas. No B. John Robinson. No B. John Robinson. And yet they were still able to run the lights out on this Alabama team who's full of front seven prospects for the NFL draft. Um, And with that being said, I want to go ahead, because of how Texas performed yesterday, I feel like I have my conference winners decided. The Big 12, I'm giving to Texas. As much as I'm a BYU homer, there's no way they win the Big 12. And I don't see, like I like Oklahoma. I certainly think Brent Venables in year two has figured some things out. Um, aided by how they've played the last two weeks. But, not picking Oklahoma to win the Big 12. I'm picking Texas. I don't know. It kind of depends on what you think qualifies as Texas is back. I don't know that this qualifies as Texas being back. Um, but I do think they, can, they will win the Big 12. From there we go to the Pac-12. And, uh, guys, breaking news, if you didn't know, the Pac-12, last time I checked, which was late Saturday night, was undefeated. They've played no interconference games, but they're undefeated outside the conference, which is crazy considering everyone's leaving. So I don't know if this is like a, oh, hey, we're going to be with our new girl. We want to show up and show out and look good for her as we head home to her house instead of back to the Pac-12 after this. I don't know if that's what it is, but the Pac-12 certainly has some of the top quarterback prospects in the NFL draft, which we knew, but we didn't know Bo Nix was going to be like this. We knew Michael Penix was going to be like this. We didn't know Shador Sanders was going to be like that, like he was against Nebraska. Um, And with that being said, my Pac-12 champion is the Colorado Buffaloes. We'll get to Dion in a second. There's nothing you haven't already heard that I have to say about Dion other than 
there's just people, uh, Skip Bayless said this, and I, I have the same mentality, I didn't put Dion in my same list, but Skip certainly persuaded me to do so, there are certain people in sports that you do not ever under, under any circumstances bet against, and Deion Sanders has become one of those people. I didn't grow up watching him in the NFL, and so I didn't really know what that would be like. However, when you are Deion Sanders and you get uh, FBS prospects, top FBS prospects, playing at the FCS level, of course you're going to dominate, which I think made a lot of us think, well, how much do we really know about these guys? And didn't really, and now we do. We've seen two games, both against Power 5 FBS opponents, and they have rocked both their worlds. All of that for being a brand new team that has never played together with no continuity on it, the coaching to narrow down the mistakes like we talked about last week, heads and shoulders above everybody else. Alright, so Pac-12, I'm giving to Colorado because this is the one conference where you don't have to play defense and you can still win it. I don't think USC goes back-to-back, and I certainly don't think Caleb Williams goes back-to-back. I think the issue with Caleb Williams is people are going to say, dude, that's awesome what you did. However, we have people in this conference who are going to do similar numbers who are actually going to be winning football games whereas Caleb Williams is not. So, if I could give the Heisman, I I think and hope that it goes to Shadur Sanders because of what he's doing at a, a small-time program, a program who was only projected to win three to four games this season, who won one game last year. The turnaround time on that is ridiculous. So, Pac-12, I'm giving to Colorado. Big 12, I'm giving to Texas. Big Ten, I told you last week, I'm giving it to Penn State. These guys look angry. Ohio State is down. Michigan is not down. but And when I say Ohio State and Michigan are down, it's not they're down. They just don't feel like they have as much firepower as they've had in years past. And uh, with Michigan State basically falling out of the conference after Mel Tucker got fired, seems like there could be some easy wins there. I think Penn State is so angry from feeling like the consolatory little brother to Penn to Michigan and Ohio State and say, oh, that's nice, that's cute what you guys are doing, you're, you're really good little bro, like, they are angry and you saw that from their defense, obviously played Delaware last week, but the week before that, they were also lights out, I want, I'm picking Penn State to win the Big Ten, SEC, I'm going Georgia. Somehow Alabama was still getting picked to win this conference two years ago. And I know I'm a Georgia homer, but my question to you, if you want to dispute that with me, is who else is there? Like, who else are you going to pick to say, yeah, they've got the firepower to compete with Alabama or Georgia? Because Alabama's still going to probably only lose maybe one, two other games. If you want to say LSU, maybe. But they... No team has ever made the college football playoff who lost week one. So I think Georgia's winning the SEC. 
but no big deal there. And then the ACC, uh, who cares? Like, if Duke won, that would be cool. I think UNC will probably end up winning it. There's no way Clemson does. And we talked about this a little bit. Part of the issue is Dabo Sweeney dug himself a hole when he went anti-transfer portal and anti-NIL. Then you then made it really hard. If you don't recruit, you can't make up for your mistakes on the back end. And they certainly haven't been able to. They also, just as a note, they get zero offensive linemen drafted, which means on the front seven, they're always playing from behind. So, yeah. Picking UNC, no way Clemson wins it. Um, Let's get to the games yesterday. First of all, let me say this. NFL Sunday Ticket may have been the greatest purchase that I've ever made. And I said this. If you're saying, oh, well, Brett, I'm not a student. I can't afford $450 to pay for Sunday Ticket. Hey, that's okay. All I'm saying to you is, if you somehow came across a student who's in college, whom you know, and you paid for it under their account, that may work for you to only pay $100 on NFL Sunday ticket. And if you're not stupid familiar with what it is, basically, because it doesn't give you every game. I think that's a little bit of a misconception. It It gives you, so it'll take your location. So like me, I get a lot of Broncos games because I live in Utah. And I also, maybe I'm talking down to you guys, but I talked to a couple of people yesterday who don't understand how this works. So, because the, because Fox is doing six different NFL games at the same time, you can't get all of them on your one Fox channel. So what they do is they give you the one that your local Fox station is taking, which is typically the one they think applies most to you. So lots of people here are Broncos fans. So I will typically either get a Raiders or a Broncos game. Yesterday they played each other, so that's how it worked out. But whatever, but like yesterday, I'm not in the Dolphins or the Chargers market. So I don't typically get to watch those games. You go on NFL Sunday ticket and it show it takes the two games that are currently on that Fox and the CBS game that are on in your market right now and it takes those out and then you get to watch everything else. And it's really cool because some games get really boring. And if you only have two to choose from, then you get stuck on one game the whole time. Or what I did yesterday was you can put up a multi-view. You can switch between when each one goes to commercial. Like NFL Sunday ticket for 100 bucks a season. If you are the type of guy or woman who comes home on Sunday morning after church and you just throw it on, and you're just around the house, you're just flipping through, then Sunday ticket is for you. And again, just find a college student and log, have either have them pay for it and Venmo them or whatever. But if you really want it, you can get it. Um, man, there's a lot to talk about. We had rookie quarterbacks yesterday. We had Tua Tango-Vailoa looking like everything that I wish that he wasn't. We had Brandon Staley still looking like he doesn't know how to coach defense. 
Anthony Richardson looked good, like I said. Um, the Cowboys. Holy cow, Texas football is back, maybe. And wow, the Giants. And then, how did the Eagles look, right? So, let's let's start with the topic that I'm leasing. Like, I always hate... I don't... I shouldn't say I don't root for against certain people, because I definitely do. What's the politically correct way to say this? Um... Look, there's certain people who, if I make a certain take, I'm happy for them personally to prove me wrong, but I don't love being proven wrong. And I certainly talked that talk against Tua Tagovailoa last year because I discredited a lot of the things that he did. And let's just be honest about what we saw yesterday. First off, blank slate. No here's, no there's. Chargers-Dolphins, incredible game. Just as it was last year. This isn't breaking news for you, but if you want to watch football that's just ridiculous, go turn on the tape that has uh, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Raheem Mostert, and then Mike McDaniels calling the shots on offense because... Dan Orlovsky said this. A couple of guys have said this. This offense looks unstoppable. Tua looks like he's improved. And then Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, we know how fast they are. But then Raheem Mostert, who for some reason a lot of people were down on, which not understanding that, dude added 20 pounds and he looked like Uh, There's this tank in Fast and Furious 9 or 8, I think, that is hella fast. He looked like that yesterday. He looked like a speed tank because he was running through guys from the five-yard line onto the end zone multiple times yesterday. Um, the, The two takeaways that I have from that game are, A, again, Tua is improved. Tua made me look bad yesterday. And I don't love it, but it is what it is. And I'm happy for him. Especially, this is a guy who last year, a year ago, we were curious if he was ever going to be able to play football again because of how scary those injuries were. We didn't know what we were going to get. And so it's really great to see him having improved so much and seeing him have this success. Um, Some of you guys who are Tua haters are going to, well, I shouldn't say some of you guys, I was that guy, are going to discredit say, well, he has Tyreek Hill, he has Jalen Waddle. Guys, if it's that easy to just discredit, why isn't that, is it that easy to just stop it? Tua was rolling out, Tua was making difficult throws, let's not just discredit him because we're mad because we didn't like the guy. And the other thing I'm happy about is my boy Herbie, Justin Herbert, also looked high level, high level, high talent, high quality football. The offense actually looked a lot better under Kellen Moore. It looked a lot more explosive. It looked a lot more aggressive, and frankly, a lot less one dimensional. It was really boring offense last year for having so many weapons. 
the problem is the problem is when I hate harping on this but it's so true Brandon Staley I hate to be the guy who hates Brandon Staley however Brandon Staley when he came to the Chargers the deal was supposed to be this guy was one of the best defensive coordinators in the league. If you make him a defensive head coach, they will run amok and they will be immovable. And that really has not been the case with Brandon Staley. I mean, let's be honest. This is the most on paper talented roster on defense in the entire National Football League. Joey Bosa. Khalil Mack, uh, you add Eric Kendricks, you have Kenneth Murray, you have Asante Samuel Jr., you have J.C. Jackson, you have Derwin James. There's just... Guys ask for half of that and still can't pay for it. And somehow, Tom Telesco, the general manager of the LA Chargers, put together the most talented roster on paper and a defensive head coach who still cannot get to the quarterback. And frankly, if you want to beat Tyreek Hill, you have to get to the quarterback before the ball gets to Tyreek. And theoretically, with Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa, you should be able to do that. Joey Bosa seemed like he had a lot of trouble getting to Tua yesterday for a guy who just got paid big last year the year before. So... It's it's unfortunate and it's frustrating that the, and and the, this is the other issue with the defense. The middle of that interior def, the, the interior of the defensive line last year was one of the worst run defenses in the entire league and guess what changed there? Nothing. So the LA Chargers are going to be in a similar position to where they were last year, which is the offense is awesome. Justin Herbert's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, but they're going to lose a lot of close games like they did last year, like they did yesterday, because Brandon Staley is a terrible head coach. And I know that he thinks growing the beard made us trust him more. It did not. Uh, yeah. I mean, the offense looked better than it did last year but and and that's credit to Kellen Moore but there's zero credit given to Brandon Staley because he did nothing frankly um who else do we have to hit up oh that's right we have our rookie quarterbacks shout out to the Falcons I, I think of them because they played against Bryce Young the Falcons played really well yesterday. I was really curious how this offense was going to look because they already had Tyler Algier, and then they go ahead and draft Bijan Robinson, all while people forget they also have Cordero Patterson. And both of them were able to get their bread. Tyler Algier scored touchdowns. Bijan Robinson scored a touchdown. Bijan Robinson scored a touchdown playing out in the slot. So that could be really dangerous. If you can get both of these guys on the field at the same time like they did yesterday, which I think they are more than capable of doing. Uh, again, it's the Panthers. We don't really know what we have there. But 
they looked good yesterday. Bryce Young looked okay. If I had to rank those top three rookie quarterbacks and how they performed yesterday, I would go Anthony Richardson one, Bryce Young two, and CJ Stroud three. Anthony Richardson, I don't totally understand how, but he looked like a grown man yesterday. And not just in the physical sense, but in the mental sense as well. He really didn't have too many poor decisions. And when he did make poor decisions, uh, either A, the team was able to make up for it, or B, or both, he went over and... So there was I'm, I'm, there was a play-action boot in the first half that he dumps out to the tight end, and the ball was a little high. Tight end was able to go up and grab it and then stumble, dive forward. But what the, the best part that I thought about that was Anthony Richardson runs out of bounds to his tight end, picks him up, and he snaps on the chest and he says, hey, that's my bad. And he knew as soon as he threw it. So this guy obviously has a lot of accountability. They lost that game. But part of that's because Trevor Lawrence is one of the, a, a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. And the Jaguars are only getting better as they distance themselves further from the bad culture surrounding them. Anthony Richardson looked awesome yesterday. It seems like that injury isn't too serious. I still haven't seen a whole lot about it. We'll probably see more as the day goes on. But it doesn't look too serious. Um, this is another note I wanted to hit. I find it really interesting. I'm a guy who's big on patterns. One of the patterns I saw yesterday, guys who... I, I don't know why I believe this, but I do. And... I think it's a pretty hateable take, but it is what it is. Guys, I don't trust guys who get paid big in their first game back at the quarterback position. Daniel Jones gets paid. Struggles. Jalen Hurts gets paid. Good first half, rough second half. Joe Burrow gets paid. Get that he's coming off injury. Struggled. I don't know what it is. And same with Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson yesterday did not look great. And the other pattern that I want to note to you is, and this is not just a J.K. Dobbins issue. You have a new offensive coordinator in Baltimore, Todd Munkin, who I like. I thought the offense looked better fit. It looked um, very quarterback mobile, but not necessarily run heavy. Todd Munkin does a great job of that. Um, he, he, he does a really good job at moving the quarterback, making that mobile quarterback feel comfortable. And that's how it happened yesterday. The problem is, here's the pattern. Why is it that Baltimore Ravens running backs are always getting injured? And they're always getting injuries that are out for the season. This is J.K. Dobbins' second. But it seems like we always get this with Baltimore. And part of that comes with just running the rock a lot. But this is game one. And I, I've tried to go through scenarios of what could have happened. I don't know. But I just find it weird. I don't know if it's something in the water or something else that's as abstract as that. But there is something going on that makes you say, why is it always these guys? The other part to Baltimore is 
they struggled yesterday. But Jackson, Lamar Jackson did not look good. Um, he looked too carefree. That's part of the reason that he turned the football over yesterday was no ball security. Just walking around with a thing in his hand, no tuck. And if you don't tuck, it's easy to poke it out like they did. Um, and then we'll finish up with Dallas. This is my favorite story because I don't, again, I don't like to hate, but Dallas Cowboy fans, like, as I'm sure they do to you, they just irk me. They make me so mad because they get, look, I'm, I'm here for the passion. And so part of you hearing that might think that I hate what happened yesterday, but I actually like it because it goes back to the old adage of, oh, how the mighty fall. And this, I think, will be, oh, how the mighty fall. Because A, I don't think we've seen enough from the Giants to think that they're that good. Yes, they made the playoffs last year, but Brian Dable was a first-year head coach, a good first-year head coach, but now guys have figured out a little bit. They have a full year of tape to watch, which means they can review what happened. So there's that to work with. And the second part of this is, yes, the Dallas Cowboys defense is very good. I think adding Stephon Gilmore was actually the best choice that they could have made other than bringing in like maybe Bobby Wagner would have been just as helpful but what I love about Dallas's move is that you have um you have an elite defense I talk about this all the time they draft more pro bowlers than anyone The problem is, and this is why I mentioned Bobby Wagner, they don't have veteran leadership at the defensive position. Now, their leaders, the guys who they have are good. Micah Parsons, leader. Trayvon Diggs, leader. But bringing in Stephon Diggs changes the game because you now have an older guy who can go to all the younger guys and say, hey, I know y'all respect me. This is the the next couple notches up that you need to take if you want to get better as a football team. And for that reason... I applaud the Cowboys for making that move. Um, I think the defense is going to get the offense in and out of a lot of games. But that being said, just because I saw that yesterday, all that means is we see this from Dallas every year. And again, I'm a guy who believes in patterns. Show me that you've broken the pattern. And to this point, I don't know that I believe that they have broken the pattern. Thank you guys so much for hanging out. I appreciate you being here. We will talk next Wednesday, or not next Wednesday, this Wednesday. Enjoy Monday Night Football tonight. Enjoy football rolling on. Talk later. Cheers. Ooh.